podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Wisden Cricket Weekly Podcast. We've got a new logo, new theme music and a new regular guest in Mark Butcher ahead of the 2021 English Summer. Before we get into the final two ODIs of England's tour of India, an IPL preview and a roundup of everything in cricket from the last week. A warm welcome, Butch, to the show. Good to have you with us. Thank you very much. Good to be here. Very good to be here. The transfer news thing was, was awesome yesterday. <laughs> was, we were just missing Jim White, weren't we? But, uh, yeah, all good. And thanks for the uh, new theme music too. Yeah, that's all right. No, that, was, um, that was one of the, uh, the, the many things that were, uh, that were produced by lots of quarantine in Sri Lanka <laughs> and India over the winter. So I was just recording stuff um, with no idea what they would end up doing and who better then to have it than, uh, than Wisdom. Huh? Oh, fantastic. I haven't heard that yet. Yeah, uh, that. you're in for a surprise when you go to listen to this after the so show. Move over um, Felix White and the Maccabees. <laughs> that, was, that was the previous theme Just tune. jingles, just jingles. Yeah, it's, yeah. You know, the, the sound of summer, it's like soul limbo, sort of. And then finally, um, does does joining the Wisden Pod for the, for the summer pip your ashes 173 in terms of your, your virtually, career achievements? Virtually everything does nowadays. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was the most oft-told story of my life. So we're we're trying to we're trying to shove that aside. I can't believe you brought that up within the first two minutes of my of my new signing. Uh, well, anyway, great to have you on, uh, new listeners. I'm Yasrana, and alongside Butch today we have the magazine editor of Wisden Cricket Monthly, Joe Harmon, and the managing editor of Wisden.com, Ben Gardner. We'll be previewing the IPL later in the show, so if you want to skip straight to that chat, you can hit the timestamp in the description. Uh, and a final bit of admin before we get stuck into the cricket. All our shows are now available to watch on the Wisdom Cricket YouTube channel. So if you've always wondered what Joe, Ben, Phil, Taha or myself look like, or what Butch looks like, uh, now's your chance. Um, I've been told before that I, I look like how I sound, um, which I'm not quite sure what to make of that. Um, I, think I would take that as a compliment if okay, I were you. Good. Depends, I think. What, depends how you sound, really. Um, <laughs> Butch just described me as a, a dead ringer for Jeff Buckley. So. <laughs> Didn't long to get that in, did you? <laughs> there we go. Uh, oh, excellent. Um, cool. Let's, let's get into the cricket. So England's tour of India came to an end this week as they were beaten 2-1 in the ODI series that was taking place at Pune. Uh, feels like a long time ago, but England won the second game uh, by chasing 337 with relative after a Bairstow 100 and an extraordinary 52-ball 99 from Ben Stokes and then lost the last game of the series uh, in a bit of a thriller as Sam Curran's rescue act from number eight wasn't quite good enough to get England over the line. Butch, let's start on Curran. He came in at 168 for six, nearly took England to 330. He finished on 95 not out. Um, before, the, before the game, he had only ever scored one career list day 50. Um, we're nearly three years into his England career um, have England worked out how to get the best out of Sam Curran? <laughs> um, no, uh, and and I think that that it potentially will be the case for much of his career, um, because he isn't def- definitively one thing or another. Um, you know, he might. Alex Stewart has always said that he thinks that Sam will end up being a better batsman than bowler. Whether or not he then becomes a, be- a good enough batsman to get into the side by right in the top six is is something that might depend on other people as much as it depends on him. Um, and with the ball, you know, there are certain conditions in which you think, yeah, tailor-made for Sam Curran, we want him to swing it a little bit, he can bowl at the death. He's very, very utilitarian in terms of his ability. Um, 
And and that, whilst it being a great asset to a squad, isn't necessarily a great thing for a, for a guy trying to build his own career in terms of caps, etc. Um, you know, I think England are very lucky to have him, um, and that his you know his sort of star is in the ascendancy. Perhaps as his, his elder brothers is on the is on the way down slightly, um, and he will be a part of England's squads in all three formats going forward. But whether or not he becomes somebody that absolutely you know, that becomes England's number one all-rounder, replaces sort of Chris Wokes, perhaps, as a, as a bowling all-rounder in the side, uh, remains to be seen. But, it, I mean, if he gets a run at anything, he, will, he, will, he won't let you down. I think he's proven that when he's played Test match cricket. I think it's been, um, you know, it, it, some of the selections have, have hurt him, i.e. when he got picked in front of Stuart Broad in the West Indies um, a couple of, couple of winters ago. Was it two winters? It was two yeah, winters two years ago. ago, yeah. Um, you know, the, the opprobrium ends up on him, um, but it's not his fault he got selected. They should have selected Stuart Broad. Anyone that's ever played at Barbados will tell you that they should have selected um, Stuart Broad, a tall bounce bowler rather than a, a, a full pitch up one. Um, and so he sort of suffered from the, from the, lack, of, um, the, the lack of quality in selection on that, that uh, occasion. But he's so, so talented. And like I said, I think he will be a part of England squads, probably potentially in the World Cup, the T20 World Cup. You know, Dhoni has used him as an opener, hasn't he, in, in, in the in the IPL, for goodness sake. So, look, if England if England ever feel like they need to change tactics at the top of the order, then they've got somebody that can do it. But at the moment, why would they? They've got queues of people waiting to bat one, two, three, four, five, and six. And Sam's main problem might be that he bowls, <laughs> if that's a problem. Because you'd say if, if England were to pick their best 11 in all formats, he'd probably only make the T20 side at this point. He wouldn't make the test team. You don't think he'd make the ODI team. But even in that T20 side, there's games go by where he doesn't actually do all that much. When in that, that whole in that, series, he didn't really do a huge lot. Absolutely. Whereas when he was playing for CSK, he was right at the heart of that team. He was, as you say, often opening the batting. He was bowling important overs. But games go by. It's and almost a bit the same with Ben Stokes in that T20 side. You've got an odd situation where you've got kind of two players not necessarily doing a huge amount who are both unbelievably talented and have a lot to offer. Mm. I think both of their issues in, in, in the T20 team is that their bowling isn't quite up to the role that they get given. Yeah. That's the problem. Now, if Sam, maybe if Sam Curran took the new ball in, in, uh, in the T20 or bowled exclusively at the death, he might prove you wrong. But at the moment, his role does not fit what he's asked to do. Yeah. Or, no, his ability doesn't yeah. fit the role that he's asked to do. And in many, many cases, Ben Stokes is the same. Yeah, I, mm. I wonder as well if his the difficulty in sort of putting him into some sort of category is because his skill set is sort of differently weighted in the different formats. Like I personally can test cricket. He's a better uh, bowler than he's a batsman. I, I think that the, he might well be a top six county batsman at some point in that level, but I don't see him sort of getting hundreds with the regularity that you need to be a top six batsman in test cricket. But I think with the ball in tests, he's shown that he's, he can adapt to different conditions. He's got that four for in South Africa that was sort of very skillful and was the kind that you know, I know he doesn't bowl with that, that high pace that England are looking for, but from all the other points of view, from his intelligence, his craft, and his bowls with his left arm, that's very useful. Whereas in white ball cricket, he's like he's such a good six hitter. Like he doesn't look like he should be. But he's like one of England's most natural six hitters, really, just in terms of that swing. And that means that he he's almost like as that kind of if you want a pinch hitting opener at some point, like say you know if Jason Roy is, you know goes in out of form, if he goes out of form, I think that Sam Curran going up to open is sort of like a, a stopgap solution that means they can keep the rest of their lineup the same is a real option but as you said his his white ball bowling is a little bit sort of below his batting possibly I guess mm. I, I think that the the interesting thing about it is, is is 50 over cricket might well be his home 
simply because given the way that England bat, the way that they play, he is more likely to, to, to be asked to have an impact coming in at number, number seven or number eight in a 50-over game than he is in a 20-over game. 20 mm. so over games too short if you end up you end up all the way down at seven and eight you're lost haven't you you've gone pretty much um and, and and in the 50 over side england will go six seven games where nobody gets a bat below number number five but then they will leave themselves miles short as they did as they did in this game by losing a stack of wickets going hard um then opening the you know opening the door for the likes of wokes and curran down the order to actually to actually have the time to uh, perhaps make a difference in the match. I, I think the T20 format is too short. It's almost too short for Ben Stokes in England's lineup. So it's too, definitely too short for Sam Curran. Do you, Joe, do you reckon that um, someone like Sam Curran, who's involved in all three formats, involved in the IPL, he doesn't play a lot 50 over cricket other than for England. So he, if that is possibly his best format, he doesn't get to practice it that much other than when he's playing for England. Do you think that could be a problem for some players down the line that just don't learn the skills that you need specifically for 50 over cricket? Well, it could be a problem for Sam Curran. It could be a problem for the whole of the England team that this that, that the best <laughs> players aren't going to be playing 50 over cricket. I spoke to Zach Crawley a month or so ago. He said he might never play another 50 over game for Kent again. I mean, what, he's, he's 22, 23? Yeah. Uh, it's this, I mean, it's the situation that you feel like might come back to bite the ECB when they try and retain the World Cup uh, and they haven't actually played much 50 over cricket <laughs> or that maybe they switch things up and they and the 50 over cricket takes more precedence in the lead up to the 50 over World Cup. I mean, I think it has to, to some degree because we've now got this development competition, as they call it, mm. which is going to... I'm quite interested in seeing some young players come through and it'll, you'll see more players as a result, but it's, it's not going to be a kind of a, a high quality competition in the same way. No, I'm, and the, in, in the same way that in the same way that you get kids who are outstanding at, at, you know, under 17, under 15 level, but they're only playing, they're playing against their peers. You're only judging them against um, kids in the same uh, similar state of development. Um, you know, you, in, in a developmental competition, by, by rote, you're not going to be having these guys tested against the people that they might play against if they get elevated. And that's a, mm. that's a huge problem. You don't learn from guys your own age. You learn from your elders and betters or your international players or um, overseas players. And, and without them, the 50-over competition becomes a bit of an irrelevance, unfortunately, mm. which is it's incredible. I mean, we've waited all this time to win one since 19, what was it, 1975. You win one and then you throw the thing in the bin. You, I mean, that's it, that could be described as, um, as as English arrogance if I were that way inclined. You, you could, but, but I'm not. You kind of see it being the, <laughs> you can kind of see it being like the first point in England's uh, 2023 World Cup post mortem. None of the players have actually played this format other than ODIs in the last four years. Um, and I, I guess like it matters more down the line when the makeup of the 50 over team is different. And the moment it's the guys who won the world cup pretty yeah. much. Whereas in a few years them, time, not all of them are going to make it. Are exactly. They? And in yeah. a few years time, you'd expect some people who aren't in the current setup to be, to be in the world cup squad. And they wouldn't have played much 50 over cricket at all. Cause they'd all, you'd think be playing in the hundred. What do you think? But if the, if the premier one day competition was 40 overs, would that make much difference? Is it is it difficult to play no, forty over compared to fifty, or is that basically the no, same? No, I I always actually thought that that forty overs was the perfect length for for an eighteen team county um, one day tournament. Well, yeah, for spectators, from a playing point of view as well. Yeah. For spectators, it was fu- it was fun. You know, it was sort of shorter shorter day Sunday afternoon. Obviously, when I first started playing it, and when when I watched it um, all those years ago, um, but because because. Naturally, you're going to have a, your, your sort of fourth, fifth, sixth bowlers or your sort of mid to late order batting isn't going to be a strong spread over 18 teams. That 10 over difference 
means that the, the the competition, the quality of the competition, and the and the uh, the competitive of it, competitiveness of it stays similar. As soon as you stretch it out another ten overs to fifty overs, it becomes much more obvious that there is a quality deficit. Um, so you know, for, as far as a, as far as a uh, uh, a product for the fans and also to play. And I thought it was just brilliant fun. It was a great, great game. So, yeah, but where do you fit it in? I mean, at the moment, we've got four competitions again, um, you know, two of which are two of which are league-based. Well, well, those are the two white ball ones anyway, and the Blast and the and the 100. Um, and then you've got the, you know, you've got the championship and the 50-over development. There is no room. I mean, the, the summer, our summer is shorter than anyone else's anyway, and yet we play more cricket and try and cram more in to four and a half months than uh, the most try and do in six. It's incredible. And it's incredible that, I, that I've been having this conversation about it since I started playing. Um, and I have now not been playing for over 12 years. So, uh, it's, yeah, it's quite something. It presents slight selection difficulties for England as well, I think, in ODI cricket, because I felt like this series would have been a good chance for David Milan to play three games at number three, because one of the reasons why people are sort of sceptical about his ability to bat at number three in that T20 World Cup it's just that he hasn't batted in India all that much. And this would have been a chance for him to just get used to the conditions, even if it's in a different format. But then you end up with Ben Stokes, say, if he's, you no, know, like either sits outside number three or goes out number five, like not batting very much in 50 over cricket at all between now and like arguably until the next World Cup. And he's not going to play in the domestic competition either. So you've got to balance that. It, it makes it much harder to rest and rotate, I think, in 50 over cricket because you want those players sort of got to take every chance they can exactly they have yeah. I, mean, I, mean, the, I mean the other thing with, with England in, the, in talking 50 over cricket again is that you know don't forget that they won won the competition with Butler and Stokes batting middle order you know there isn't the same clamour or reason for either of them to be up in the top three as they are in in 20 over cricket I mean I still I still think I still think that England if they're going to win the World Cup in um win the World Cup in India in the T20 competition have got to find a way of having of having Bairstow and Roy at the top or even if Hales comes back one of those three at the top um, and, uh, and and having Butler and Root uh, guys who can play in lots of different ways when the when the pump is on um, in, in to win a major tournament I don't think you win it by stacking stacking all one one to five and six with guys who all play the same I really don't and I also think that as Josh Butler's numbers are great opening the batting, but you're telling me Johnny Bairstow's wouldn't be? Um, so, I, you know, that's an argument that rages forever and ever. And, and <laughs> the, only, the only proof will only be in the pudding if England win or lose the, the, the T20 World Cup. But I st I'm still very much a fan that, that as good as Josh's numbers are at the top, and as much as Ben wants to bat at number three, um, all of these things, that, that you have to balance the order uh, based on trying to win a competition, not on what's best for the individual. So we'll mm. see. I'm sure this will come up quite a few times. In the it IPL. might, it might. Yeah, <laughs> we probably jumped the gun a bit. Um, ben, on, on India, India ended up with a similar total to what they got in the first two games, but there was a notable difference in their intent. There's that word again. Um, what did you make of India's almost English approach going hard from the get-go. I thought England helped them a little bit with their bowling, um, but it was, there was a noticeable difference in intent uh, in the third game to the first two games. Yeah, th th there was. I mean, partly this is down just to, to personnel. Like, I don't think you're going to pick Rishabh Pant in any team and he's going to sort of scratch around for his first 50 runs and then sort of, he's, he's always going to go hard from ball one. The same with Hardik Pandya. I think that um, one of the things that we often miss when you talk about these uh, intent conversations and England's approach in the lead-up to the 2019 World Cup is how much England's lineup allowed them to play that way. Like England had the luxury of 
you know, Chris Wokes number eight, uh, Adil Rashid at number nine. He's got 10 Leopold first class entries as well. Exactly, yeah. He does, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I'm sure I've heard that mentioned somewhere. <laughs> Uh, and, and that and that gave them the license to sort of attack uh, from ball one, whereas India would basically have their top six and then five proper bowlers, not really all rounders. Chami um, bat seven at some point. He might well have done, yeah, because they kind of brought Jadeja into the side during the World Cup because they realised they had that thing. So that means that, and, and the flip side of that was that India's bowling attack because they were all proper bowlers was so strong that they kind of backed themselves to get to three twenty, three thirty, uh, and not aim any higher because they could be pretty confident of defending it. Um, that then, we all know what happened in New Zealand when that left them open to sort of one sort of bad day. I mean, they didn't have people who could help them recover. But now, when they have, you know, all these sort of things spinning around, as like Washington Sundar, Akshar Patel, uh, Krinal Pandya as well, uh, Bhuvneshwar Kumar can, can bat pretty well. It's good to see him, him bowling so well. That also gives them that license to uh, attack like that as well. But they also have like that top three, like whoever it is, like when it's got Rohit and Kohli in it and whoever the other one ends up being Kara Hall or Shikha Darwin is just so consistent and they can kind of do both things like that. Oh, any of them could go a little bit earlier and they end up getting loads of huge scores. It's a, yeah, really exciting. So, yeah. I, I kind of watched it and I didn't think that they changed anything particularly. The only the time it changed was when they got to four down. Um, you know, obviously, Coley sent um, Pant in at number, they sent Pant in at number four, didn't they? So he got in there a little bit early. But England kind of, at the, the pitch was a belter and England didn't bowl great with a new ball. And they kind of got off to a flyer without, I mean, I didn't hit anything over the top. I wasn't seeing anybody run down the pitch and smoke it. They just literally hit bad balls for four and ended up going at sixes for the, for the first 10, which was 20 more runs than they scored in the first 10 for the rest of the thing. So it, it, on, on the face of it, it looked as though they kind of, they upped the ante, but I really didn't think they did. What happened was, them, with them being four down for, what was it, 150? They kind of had nowhere else to go and, and Pant just, Pant and Hardy went nuts. I mean, you know, the, I asked I asked Joss, Joss Butler at the end of the game, I said, um, you know, we were in London, we couldn't really tell. <laughs> Would you have liked to have bowled Mark Wood when Hardy came to the crease? Because I think he was off the field, he had that stomach and he said, yeah, but that was that was huge. So they kept Mo and, um, and uh, Rash on. And both of those guys got themselves in and, and kind of put their foot down. You know, perhaps in a, in a different scenario that they might not have done that. Um, or if Pant had been batting at six and hadn't already been in, they might not have done that. Uh, and that, for me, was where the game was won and lost. England couldn't go for the knockout blow when they had them four down. And, uh, and, and Pant just did what he did. I mean, crikey, how, what, a, what a winter he's had, starting off with Australia and just in all three formats here. He's just absolutely unbelievable. And he's even kept well too, which is, which is the most bizarre thing. Um, you know, the confidence is just coursing through him. So, yeah, I mean, in, India are a hell of a strong side. You know, they could pick three teams in, in all three formats and still be good. Um, and they're going to take some beating in the, in the World T20. Um, and whilst and whilst it's sort of tempting to sort of point at England either approach wise or personnel wise and kind of go oh well you know they've got problems here I don't think they have um, without not, three key players no they, exactly I thought they stuck in there really well uh, yeah. actually I thought uh, they should have won the first game shouldn't they they should have won the first ODI really. and they almost was, won one at the end that they shouldn't have done but exactly. and, and they chased down. So a, it, a it, tough target just exceptionally well in the second one yeah so you kind of you look at it and go well you know if you if someone had said to me that England were going to lose a test series 3-1 before a ball was bowled I said yep mm. even with the best side that they could have picked yep I have no issue with that the fact that they lost three of those games in, in quite sort of comical fashion in the end is kind of neither here nor there the scoreline was what sounded right to me before the start um, T20s Again, you're kind of thinking to yourself, well, you know, India at home, 
um, England without some of the without some of their big picks, albeit England the same, uh, India the same. You'd still probably have India as, as favourites to win that one. Um, and, and the fifty overside, I, I, I would have, I would have said that England was still too strong for them, and that they, the way that they play the game meant that they should have won the series, um, which is testament to how, how good a side India are and are becoming, and how much depth they have in comparison to where they were. A, 18 months ago depth of the bowling as well I thought with England having a few having Wokes and Archer out there's quite a big drop off with the guys who come in whereas India the, the guys who came in Christie did quite well Charles Tucker just seemed Thakur, to take a wicket. how was he not man of the series by the way I thought Boovin Eshwatt should have been man well, of the series well one of those two yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, is, I, I felt like I mean early wickets are important whoever you're playing but they're so important against India and we saw that in the World Cup when the top three mm. goes early as you say they can only play one way and that, that can actually be quite limiting in a way I think if Archer had played that ODI series and or Wokes then I think England might well have won it because you just mm. get those couple of breakthroughs early on and that just changes the dynamic of the game yeah I think if we're doing a, a tour over I think the thing that England might actually most regret is that T20 series because I think they, they almost kind of the result was more important for them in it than for India because England played as strong a team as they could in every single game rather than experimenting so they came out of it with more questions than they went in with I think uh, in terms of you know Tom Carr and sort of star on the way and David Milan didn't exactly take those conditions uh, straight away. Uh, so I think that's the one, the the most regretful thing, even though it was almost the close they came to winning a series, I guess. Mm. Mm. On, on, on Bhuvan Eshwar, um, Ben, last week we talked a lot about Tom Curran and partially how hard it is to survive in white ball cricket as a pace bowler, if, if that's your pace. Bhuvan Eshwar is basically the same pace. What did he what did he do so well across the three games? Because he ended it with an economy rate of... 4.65, which when the, the it was pretty much 330 by 330 every game is, is remarkable. Well, he's, he's kind of that rare kind of ODI bowler that can kind of take that test approach into it, I think. Like he's just so uh, accurate and he gets like whatever movement there will be out of it. And he's just so intelligent. I, th- I think the the thing, I, th- I think we always knew he was kind of this good. I think the thing that's most encouraging is just that he has been out of sort of top level cricket or in and out for such a long time and has come back and is still this good and those core skills are still there. Um, I don't even know if he's in India's best ODI team, I guess maybe for his batting. But Do you got... reckon he's got to be after that series? Yeah, what, Shami, Bumrah, I guess it depends if they play two or three spinners yeah. as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, no, he, he, he was brilliant. But I think it is just basically just like those core things of if you can get movement and if you can be accurate, you'll be good kind of whatever the conditions and uh, whatever the form, Well, movement is the, is the key. I mean... Nobody, nobody has the ability to swing the ball anymore. No one can manipulate their their wrists and fingers on the white ball um, and and make it move sideways. You know, you only have to look at the way that, that we that we bat. Jason Roy, Johnny Bairstow, etc. They're not they're not sort of they're not keeping the top hand on top and in front. You know, looking for any movement. The, the hands are through the ball and way out in front of them. So if you can make it move, even if it's only only so much, a little bit either way as Bhuvaneshwar can. Um, then you're in the game, and he he kind of I don't know he just for some reason he seems a, he seems unhittable, doesn't he? He seems to be able to bowl he seems to be able to bowl a length that isn't is not short enough to pull and is not full enough to drive at a pace where you'd think that most of these guys would be taking him to the cleaners. Um, and I've watched him do it, you know, IPL summarizers for for years. You know, and the, the injury problems have, have, have scuppered whole franchises' um, plans when he's out of the when he's out of the reckoning. So he's just fantastically skillful. So they showed his pitch map and it did look like a, a test 
testing it. Just in the same place. Yeah. And you're thinking to yourself, well, surely that you know the just modern batsman just runs down the pitch and just keeps bashing him yeah. straight back over his head. But um, you know, it's a little bit like that. It'll be like spin bowlers will talk about. So if all you have to do is make one one go big, and then the batsmen are slightly hesitant because they're, they're worried. You know, when's that coming again? And Boovey, without fail, will move. He'll, he'll go three three in his three outers in his first over, won't he, or something like that. Um, showing the batsman that he's got the ability to kind of to, to fox you through the air. Like, and as soon as that happens, you're not quite so keen to start charging at it or start so keen to, to take liberties. And um, Do you think England identified him as clearly the best bowler in that particular attack and therefore thought, well, if he goes at 40-45, that's okay because we'll make it up with the rest? Yeah, it's not really how England go about things. It's but. not, but, you know, I, sometimes, again, you're talking about sort of... You're talking about trying to be consistent in terms of winning either tournaments or, or, or series, aren't you? And sometimes you have to play a little bit of percentage cricket yeah. with people, you know. It'd be interesting to see the way that this England batting lineup would have gone against somebody like Warren, you know, say so take 10, 10 overs of Warren out or something like that. How are you going to go about it? Are you going to let him get six for against you? Or are you going to go, okay, maybe we can take him one for 50 mm. and, and take a, a chance around with somebody else? It's kind of, I'm sure those conversations still go on. I mean, I'd be, I'd be staggered if they don't. Mm. I guess the problem was he was getting three for 50 every yeah. time. Well, no, exactly. <laughs> yeah. No, precisely. And that's, yeah, that's testament to him. Yeah. So if, if, but, yeah. I, but I, if that was the plan, then it didn't work for England. Yeah, absolutely. Um, before we leave the ODI series, Butch, what was your moment of the week? Um, my, my, my moment on the week was, uh, was Darren Goff singing um, a 90s dance track. Uh, Sing It Back by Maloko during commentary in, of the third One Day International. On Talksport, in, in relation was, to yeah, in, in relation to he, the, the, it was I think our opening. England were bowling, and he was talk, telling a story about how when he was bowling at Herschel Gibbs, the talk is always you've got to bring the ball back in. To, oh, to, yeah, so he would I stand see. at the top of his mark and sing, "Swing it back, swing it back, swing it back to Herschel," um, <laughs> uh, as he was running into bowl, and he and, and he actually sang it, and it was just one of the funniest things I've ever heard. <laughs> Sensational. Amazing. Amazing. <laughs> um, before we get to the IPL preview, a quick run through of what's been going on in international cricket and county cricket this week. Uh, so New Zealand women beat Australia women in a last ball thriller at Napier. They needed 21 off the last two overs with just four wickets in hand and got there with a boundary off the last ball. In the third game of the series, which was a washout, Elise Perry broke the record for the most appearances in T20I cricket with 123. West Indies and Sri Lanka are currently halfway through the second test of their two-test series in the Caribbean. The first was a, was, was a reasonably exciting draw that petered out. Sri Lanka bowled out for 169 in the first innings. West Indies responded with 271. Sri Lanka scored 476. And then Patham Nisanka, who I've mentioned a few times on this show before. I knew you were uh, going to claim that one. Yeah. <laughs> talking him up for a while. He got, um, he got 100 <laughs> on debut. Um, and then on a, on a pretty uh, dead final day pitch, Sri Lanka didn't really get close to bowling West Indies out. Nisanka, if you, if you haven't uh, remembered him, he, he's the one who's got an insane first-class record. He averages 67 in first-class cricket. He's got 14 first-class hundreds at the age of 22, which is pretty handy. I'm begging the question why I didn't have a look at him a little earlier, given in the batting lineup that England played against this yeah. winter, just, yeah. just physically, he's tiny in yeah. terms of not not just height wise, but also his his arms are very. I mean, I know I can't really talk if you can ask the size of his arms. But, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, well, but that, that is ridiculous. <laughs> but but if, if you're thinking anyone doesn't have the power or the uh, you know someone could get roughed up by the pace bowling against, I can see why you might just look at him and make that snap judgment. He's proven it completely wrong, of course. But that that's the only thing I can think of. I guess having seen him play very nicely, his um his forearms are bigger than his biceps. Um, which which is a Popeye. good sign. Good sign of a guy who just bats and he doesn't do anything else. Spinning um, 
Raheem Cole has got uh, half centuries in, in both tests. Uh, Craig Brathwaite very nearly carried his bat in the first innings of the second. Um, ben, quickly, you enjoyed Jason Holder's contributions uh, in the field. Yeah, well, because obviously we've always praised him for being this sort of statesman, sort of put upon captain. And I think people sort of felt a bit sorry for him that the captain had been taken away from him. But he seems to be just absolutely loving not having the responsibility, <laughs> uh, just <laughs> just sledging constantly. And I don't think anyone knew that that's what the that's what he had in him. Uh, was it, I think it was to Dan Jaya Silva. He was saying, uh, sort of just referencing that he broke his arm the last time he was here. And if this was an Australian and said this to an English player, we'd be... Half an hour on the podcast yeah, all day. <laughs> spitting blood, calling for ICC sanctions. And because it's Jason Holder, who everyone loves, everyone sort of... Sort of has a smile and says it's good that he's enjoying himself. But, but um, it was it was past tense though, wasn't it? It was he broke his arm last yeah, time he was true. here. Not I'm going <laughs> to do it to you like now. Yeah, but, yeah. but I, I feel like he's, he said it <laughs> to put it in his head. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> absolutely. Well, why wouldn't you? <laughs> uh, and then and then West Indies tweeted it out as well from their official Twitter account. <laughs> yeah. Excellent. One love, everybody. Yeah. Um, Lahiru Romani is also yeah. He's getting runs again. From, yeah. What was he? He was averaging 20 or something at the beginning yeah. of the, the England series. He made that 100. In the, there was one point when he was goal. statistically the worst batsman that had ever been in Test cricket. Like for batsmen, he'd batted in the top six 50 or more times. He had the lowest average right. of anyone. And now he's uh, he's Don Bradman. He's on yeah. the way. Yeah. Um, New Zealand's are currently 2-0 up against Bangladesh in a T20i series. They might be 3-0 up at, at this very point. They're, they're playing the third game at the moment. Uh, Devon Conway's fine start to international cricket continued. He scored 92 not out in the first game. Uh, Finn Allen scored a very, very quick um, half century in the third game. Um, but Ben, your your highlight of this series was the, was the DLS farce in the second oh, game. Ben loves this stuff. <laughs> if you're not aware of this, Ben loves any kind of rule farce. Just sit back and enjoy it. Ruling bants. Here we go. <laughs> I normally do. But th- th- this one left me a little bit cold just because uh, like, what, I, 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 what I like what chance the, the audience going to have <laughs> I like when there's a niche playing condition that sort of gets called into action or there's a slight misinterpretation of it or you know that that that's really fun this was just a mistake basically from a lot of points of view so I think uh, but a really bad mistake yeah so New Zealand made I think or so they the, the their first innings was cut short a couple of times and then eventually after 17 overs and had Bangladesh had to chase in 17 overs I think Krikinva reported they would have had to chase 177, I think. Um, and then it got cut to 16 overs. And uh, Bangladesh, it seems, thought they were chasing 149. So did uh, New Zealand, who tweeted out that Bangladesh were chasing 149. And then nine balls in, the game stops. I think Jeff Groh comes out onto the field. Everyone sort of has a bit of a drink. And it turns out they're actually chasing 170. And then later in the innings, that gets re- revised up again to 171. So only for about... Uh, just under a third of the chase that they know exactly how much they were chasing uh, and, uh, and and they lost. Uh, but I think, <laughs> uh, uh, again, I think if this was a, a slightly more high profile series, you would have people potentially calling for that, the result to be voided. I don't think, I think there were people did that. One. Yeah. There were, there were, there were Bangladeshi journalists suggesting that even though it was only eight balls that they, they were miles off with it, with a target, that the result should have been voided. Mm-hmm. Um, Wow. It's quite fundamental, isn't it? Really, yeah. you've got to know what you're chasing. It's quite a <laughs> lot of runs as well. Like yeah, Twenty-two like, runs, yeah. it's like quite a lot. Um, yeah, interesting. Anyway, uh, Joe, what's your moment of the week? Uh, my moment of the week was uh, an exciting young cricketer who has just joined the county circuit, uh, Tawanda Muyeye, uh, who is Zimbabwe-born, uh, captain Zimbabwe at youth level, and has been, uh, but is England qualified and has signed a three-year deal with Kent. Uh, who have apparently fought off some pretty stiff competition for his signature. Bit of background, he's a 20-year-old batsman, uh, bowls a bit of off-spin too. He's been studying at Eastbourne College, where he's been coached by former Kent players, Rob Furley and James Treadwell. Uh, So in 2019, he scored 
uh, over a thousand runs, hit 56 sixes, both records for the school, uh, and was as a result named Wisden Schools Cricketer of the Year, following the likes of Johnny Bairstow, Joss Butler, his new Kent teammate, Daniel Bell Drummond. Um, but I thought it was quite interesting that Kent have got this signature, and it, it just, I think it's further proof that Kent have kind of got themselves sorted, basically, after years of financial strife and, and underachievement. Um, they now look like they're getting back to be the sort of side that Butch would have played in the mid-90s, turn of the century, that they were always there or thereabouts, particularly in one-day cricket then. But this looks a really strong side on paper in all formats. Um, got a nice mix of homegrown players and a few experienced people. You've got Zach Crawley is going to be around for a, a good chunk of the county championship at the start of the, the summer. Joe Denley's England career looks like it's finished, so he'll be there pretty much throughout. Uh, and then you've got Darren Stevens, obviously, forty-five or forty-six. He will be. He will be in April. I think he's. It's, I think it's his twenty-fifth season as a county cricketer. You must have played quite Plenty. a bit against yeah, him. Yeah, yeah. Right? I mean, he was at Leicester, um, and then not bowling though. Latterly, really, at that, Kent. no, not really, not really. I mean, they had, they had a they had quite a good bowling attack back in those days. They didn't need him with the yeah. likes of uh, Malali and Milnes and Chris Lewis. Etc. Etc. They were good to that. Champion side, weren't they? Ninety six and ninety eight. Um, so he didn't do a massive amount of bowling, uh, but was a, an incredible ball striker even then. But kind of slightly headless. But um, yeah, forty five. <laughs> <laughs> we, we we did a tweet a few months ago of big names who are who are actually still younger than him, like players who've been long gone in international cricket. Um, it's crazy. So Darren Stevens is is older than Sacklane Mushtak, which is just mad. Like if you think about when when he was famous. The maddest <laughs> thing for me was that Matthew Hoggard played his last test before Darren Stevens took his first first class five for, and Matthew Hoggard is younger than Darren Stevens. So Darren Stevens <laughs> had a whole hugely prolific bowling career in the time since Hoggard's since. bowling career effectively <laughs> ended, and he's <laughs> older than Hoggard. So um, he said. Um, as I mentioned last week, we do the cricketers who's who and he's done the forward for, mm. for this year's. Um, and so he said he's been given a one-year contract extension every year for like the last, I don't know, <laughs> 10 years. And he said, obviously, that's that's tough in some ways. But he said he, he really thinks it's brought the best out in him as well because there is no room for complacency because especially at that age, all you need is basically two crap games and then the, and you, people are going to write you off. It but, basically happened, but right? they did. They said they weren't giving him a new contract and then what he took... Double hundred and then double hundred and, and, yeah, and a ten for yeah. <laughs> Uh, and then they yeah did a quick uh, quick U-turn on that one. But, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But that seems that you've got Matt Milne, who I know you spoke to recently. Mm. Yaz, who's who's fast and playing for the England Lions. Uh, Harry Podmore takes a lot of wickets, and they've got Miguel Cummins, the West Indies quicker yeah. for a bit. Hamdan Kadri as well. Hamdan Kadri, exciting young spinner. It just looks like they've got a lot of um, boxes ticked. Uh, and I know you you actually picked them to win the championship, didn't you? Yeah, in the, in the magazine we did our predictions for the county championship. I I just think that having having those guys in <laughs> for um, Sorry. you laugh at the, laugh the idea of Kent winning. Yeah, no, they've done well in the last couple of years. They nearly qualified for the Bob Willis Trophy final last year. I, I think that I think that's probably a stretch. I think they could potentially win a white ball competition, but I think the, the point is they're moving in the direction where they are looking like they can win a yeah. trophy, which hasn't been true for the best part of I don't know 15 years or so yeah uh, we should save this for, for next week's show which is a county championship preview pod okay um, uh, I'll we, put off we, those LPL, yeah. LPL fans <laughs> the... uh, we've, had, we've had a few questions in about county cricket we'll, we'll save them for next week's show uh, I'll quickly run through some county news in the week uh, Craig Brathwaite has signed for Gloucester for the first eight games of the season Leicester have signed Josh Inglis for the T20 Blast um, Worcester have signed the Nepal leg spinner Sandeep Lamakane for the Blast and Knotts have signed South African quick Dane Patterson 
for the 2021 season. Uh, Yorkshire also launched a kit that most of the internet hated, but I actually quite liked. Um, anyway, Ben, what's your moment of the week? Yeah, so on, on the subject of, uh, of dumping on Yorkshire, uh, Josh Josh DeCares, son of Michael Atherton, uh, was playing for, was it Leeds Bradford, yeah. Uh, yeah. MCCU? And didn't just get 100 against Yorkshire, which obviously Lancashire fans would already have enjoyed, even though he's he's contracted in Middlesex, but uh, that, that's where he's come through the system at. Uh, obviously, son of Lancashire. Uh, he then retired out, which is sort of the inversion of how it's supposed to be when counties play. The university is supposed to go for a little bit of uh, middle practice, <laughs> uh, get, get to 100, so I'll let another guy have a go. And uh, Josh DeCares has, has flipped it around. So, I mean, I don't know if we can take much from that for what uh, Yorkshire season's going to be like, but it was definitely quite funny to see and especially when it was on the, was it the same day as they launched their kit that that happened as yeah well? so. strong Yorkshire attack by the way it wasn't like a pre-season attack some youngsters playing it was an attack you'd expect to see in an early championship game yeah and, and he, he's a proper talent is Josh DeCares I mean he, he's done very well at the Bunbury Festival I think he captained Middlesex age groups at various sites at, at various levels um and yeah they, they rate him highly there I don't think it's it's there's much nepotism going on there I think he's a and I think he's in, in the same model as his dad. I think, Joe, you sort of did a little yeah, well, bit on him for the magazine last year. Yeah, well, we did a list of the, the best uh, teenagers in the UK and it felt maybe a bit too easy to put him in there uh, as though we were just going by the name or, the, or by the father rather than the name. Um, but we spoke to enough people who said, yeah, he's, he's, he's the real deal. Uh, I spoke to Rory Coots, Middlesex's head of youth cricket, uh, who says he does have a range of shots, but his concentration really sets him apart from other young players. Um, so, you know perhaps reminiscent of his dad in, in that sense. I think he is that type of opener. That is that that is what we were told. Uh, he bats for long periods and he scores lots of runs. So it sounds like Don't he's... Been making his test debut in 12 months. God, <laughs> <laughs> um, you laugh, but you never know. Yeah. Long, yeah, it might not even be as long as that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> obviously, you know, you know Ath as well. Have you been aware of how good yeah, his son's no, been for a so long I've, time? I've kind of... Uh, Ath, every once in a while, will kind of show me a video clip of some, you know, something he'd taken on his iPhone, wondering, what do you think of... What do you think of that type of thing? And Ath will, will, will not talk about him at all. Won't, mm. won't, uh, won't go there. I mean, that's part of the reason why he doesn't have his, his dad's surname. Part of the reason. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, he's, he's very proud, obviously. But he's kind of trying to trying to stay out of the picture as much as he can to try and just you know allow allow the lad to kind of to plough his own furrow. Really, mm. my moment of the week is actually another eighteen-year-old who. Uh, caught the eye this week so a young guy called Sonny Baker there's a video of his uh, 3 for 22 for Somerset against Worcestershire that's gone like kind of cricket viral I guess on Twitter uh, he, look, he looks pretty quick swings it got a good strong action swing I, it late yeah and, 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 and by quite, quite a long way as well mm. um, his action reminds me of kind of like early Peter Siddle um, a little bit and he only joined the Somerset Academy this winter he's only just turned 18 he's another Devon boy uh, like Lamley Best the Overtons etc um, and I was looking at his play cricket stats in club cricket, and I think there's a reasonable chance that he just suddenly got grew, maybe and got a lot quicker. So he was going from averaging like twenty twenty one, and in twenty twenty averaged seven with a ball in club cricket. Um, so keep an eye out on him. I think there's a reasonable chance that, that he'll play a bit this season Apart if he plays that fact, game. They've got so many good young bowlers. I mean, they yeah, just keep churning them out, don't they? True, true. Um, competitions for places there definitely, definitely very fierce. Um, now let's get on to that IPL preview. Before we get into it, for the IPL, we've teamed up with Who Knows Wins. Who Knows Wins is a social prediction app where you can compete against your friends, family and colleagues in your own custom private leagues or in the Who Knows Wins public leagues 
which have had prize pots of up to £30,000. We'll be running a weekly league on the app called IPL by Wisden. Entry fee will be £5 and the more players will mean the bigger the prize pot. Our league will include match results and in-match markets for your chance to win the jackpot. Each week we'll be discussing our picks for the week ahead, so stay tuned. A bit of IPL news. So yesterday, um, Jason Roy, it was confirmed, will be joining the Sunrisers Hyderabad after Mitch Marsh pulled out of the tournament. Ben, is he going to play? Uh, you'd think there'd either have to be quite a few players to lose form. It'd basically have to go badly for Sunrisers Hyderabad if he did play a significant amount, I think, because they've got, as top-order batsmen, Kane Williamson, David Warner and Johnny Bairstman will be ahead of him in the queue. And then elsewhere, for overseas players, they've got Rashid Khan, They've got uh, Majib, he's a very good spinner. They've got Jason Holder, who uh, towards the end of last year sort of really owned that role as a kind of lower order, fast bowling around the finisher kind of thing. Uh, so yeah, it, see, it seems unlikely considering the the, IP, the pedigree against of, of all those players and that if, if there's a weakness in Jason Roy's game, it's uh, against spin early on, I guess. Uh, so that's, so there's a way to target him, I guess, in the way there isn't for those other three to Porter players. So yes, it seems like an odd signing when they, they have gaps elsewhere in their squad I mean they they don't really have a proper overseas quick I think um so they could have easily gone for gone for that kind of player they could have gone for a, a sort of a batsman that's a little bit more versatile those are those four are all very top order batsmen Johnny Berso can I guess go at number four but they could have gone for a batsman who could either be sort of a, a middle order or a finisher kind of thing but they've gone for kind of more of the same so it, it's an odd signing I guess Jason Roy will be he'll be better off for the time spent in the nets over there against some very good spinners those they've got three Afghanistan spinners wow, that, he's like, done that so often though in mm. IPLs I he mean, also he left the, didn't he when he was at Goodrat Lions Goodrat he got Lions, fed up and left didn't, so wasn't going to play when he did play they batted him at six he's had, he's had it yeah he's had it before and it, and Jason Jason's not good at not playing I mean mm. you know he's had he's had various injury problems over, over the course of the last two or three years that have kept him out of playing regular cricket you know championship cricket whatever it might be obviously playing in the World Cup um, he's also had, you know, the situation whereby, as I said, he was away in for two or three, two IPLs, I think, where he hardly featured there and then didn't feature here. And so was so slow getting started when he got back to the UK. I think it hurts him not playing. I really do. Um, and you're right. I mean, Warner will play. Kane Williamson sits it out often for Sunrise's Hyderabad. And if he's not getting a gig and he's not even, you know, he's not going to open the batting anyway, he'll bat three or four, then it's hard to see where, where Jason gets in there. But, I mean, from from an England point of view, they'll be hoping that David Warner, you know, tears another intercostal or whatever it is, busts a groin, and then, you know, you, you have the Roy and Be- potentially the Roy and Bairstow show at the top of the order, potentially saying to England, listen, you know, why the hell would you not have the two best 50-over openers doing exactly the same job that they do in 20-over cricket? Um, and sort of giving the selectors another another headache ahead of the World T20. So, fingers crossed, Jason gets to play. Because otherwise, I think it's, it could be another wasted a wasted summer for him. Otherwise, do you think it's indicative of where he is now? That when he left the IPL, when he was at Gujarat Lions, he was still, I guess, at that point, still trying to nail his place in the England ODI side. Probably had Test aspirations at that point. Now, Test cricket is is gone. You'd, you'd assume uh, the ODI side. He's he's absolutely set in that. So actually, if if the choice is Go and more on the bench and earn a few quid, or play a bit of four-day cricket at the start of the season. Yeah, I don't know, but the think, thing I'm, is, you don't earn a massive amount if you don't play. I mean, this is the thing. Yeah, and you know, I, I was I was there, sort of doing my roving correspondent gig in um, those two years that Jason was in the IPR, and he was miserable. You know, and, it, and it's not going to be a lot. It's not going to be any fun at all. You know, you're in bubbles now. You can't even sort of <laughs> you can't even go and enjoy yeah. yourself and do something else. So. Um, 
you know, it'd be, be interesting. Keep an eye on what happens with him out there because if he doesn't start, if he doesn't look like he's going to get a game, I wonder if he might pull the plug and try and come back here and play some cricket for Surrey. Lord knows Surrey could do with the uh, the, the bolstering in the batting lineup. And also, know. county cricket could do with someone like Jason Roy batting in those. Yeah, uh, I mean, look, uh, not I'd, that he owes them that. Um, it's his choice, but it would be great. We'd all like to see him. Yeah, play absolutely. Some and, and of course, it all of that stuff is developmental. You know. How do you how do you get better at playing with slightly softer hands in in conditions that demand it? Well, you have to play, um, and and not playing any any early season cricket for the for God knows how long can't have can't have done him any good in that yeah. regard. I suppose the one thing is is Trevor Bayliss is the coach there, and Trevor Bayliss obviously loves Jason Roy. I mean, he picked him as opener for the series that would basically define his legacy as an England Test coach. He has a huge amount of faith in him, so I guess it's not out of the question that he sees Roy as not too far off. Warner's level I guess I mean and we know that Warner's kind of been sort of he hasn't been the same force in the last couple of years as he had been sort of a few years ago I guess kind of I guess before that <laughs> but, he, but he is captain uh, yeah, well, <laughs> but 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 still I mean you know we see captains change I've got came in as a captaincy option I I don't think it's I think I think that but that would involve Roy leapfrogging Besto, wouldn't it or really? they or they play Roy and Bairstow at the top I guess uh without Warner I, I mean I, I think that the fact that the, there is a Bayless factor that means that Roy is probably closer to playing than he otherwise would be, I guess, just because mm. of how much he, he rates him, even though they do have a lot of options who might on paper be better, I guess. Mm. Mm. Um, Joe, what other stories and players English fans should be particularly interested in over the course of the tour? Obviously, we know like uh, Stokes, Butler will play, etc. But players who might not be guaranteed starters for teams who might play a little bit, um, which might be particularly interesting to England fans. Yeah, it's interesting. I was looking at a piece that I think Taha wrote for the website about the likelihood of, of which England players might feature. And you do get the impression quite a lot won't play a huge amount of cricket. Um, you look at um, Tom Curran and Chris Wokes at Delhi Capitals. I think they might play a bit early on because Nokia and Rabada aren't available. But once they're set, it's hard to see them getting much cricket. It'll also be interesting to see which of those two Delhi Capitals favour because in theory, based on England side Tom Curran is the better T20 bowler in terms of who they select I mean I, I would pick Wokes over Tom Curran Wokes hasn't played a T20 personally. anywhere in the world for two and a half years yeah, but, yeah. I, but I just think he's a better bowler yeah um, and he might not play that much T20 but I do just think he's a better bowler and he's more likely to take early wickets um, there's another nice kind of plot developing at Chennai Super Kings as well where you've got Sam Curran and Moen Ali in the same squad potentially both competing for a place in England's T20 World Cup size Sam Curran will play. He was a leading player for Chennai Super Kings. It'll be interesting to see where they're going to use Moen or if Moen ends up warming the bench. Now, they invested quite a lot in him, so you'd think that he probably will feature. Um, but that's another interesting one to, to keep an eye on, I'd say. Mm. Um, it's kind of agreed that Mumbai Indians are the favourites for, for this year's competition. They were they were dominant in, in 2020. They won it in 2019 as well. Um, we're all broadly in agreement they're, they're favourites this time around. Anyone want to object? I mean, no, I was searching to, to, to try. <laughs> I mean, I've got another team that I think might pull a few surprises, but I think Mumbai Indians have yeah. to start as favourites, don't they? What, ben, what, why are they so good? Um, and how, how they ended up becoming so much better and so much more consistent, I guess, really, than, than the other franchises at the moment? Well, I mean, it, there's a lot to it, obviously. There's like a, you know, they've done a whole documentary showing how, they are, how their team kind of works. And they've got a brilliant just backroom staff. They've got brilliant player identification. I think if you just look at that that lineup I think probably like almost six or seven of India's starting T20i team are from Mumbai Indians team it's just and then they've got they identify the exact overseas players they need and then they back those to kind of uh 
to kind of do do what they need to do for them. Their, their lineup seems to not change very much. And then when they do bring a player in and make them first choice, like with Ishan Kishan over the last couple of years, it seems they're kind of just completely ready to sort of step up and fill what they need them to fill. It's just a, uh, an absolutely, I mean, <laughs> it's it's the personnel and I guess it's how they've identified that personnel, how they then try and train that personnel to be the best. I mean, it's just a, a brilliant first choice team with good backups and uh they kind of have the process in place to keep replenishing that team when someone either falls out or gets insurance unavailable. Process resource as well. I mean, yes, yeah. There is a, there is no works. Uh, well, I don't know if there's a sporting team on the planet that has the resources that it can call upon. Mumbai, it's got to be handy. Indian, hasn't so it? It's got to be quite <laughs> handy. Um, but I mean, I think we we may well have said this in other in other competitions before, probably the IPL going back however many years. But if your if your base if your Indian based players are of the highest quality, then you stand a much better chance than anybody else of winning. Um, you know, because even put it put it this way, Mumbai Indians have Karan Pollard, right? And he is a, a giant in you know metaphorically and physically of, of the T Twenty game. So that is you know that's somebody you can absolutely pin, hang your hat on, build a team around, etc. And then when they bring in other people like Quentin de Kock and Chris Lynn, who knows how much of a, of, of, of a, of a, of a tournament that he's going to have, um, can be devastating, can be completely you know, nondescript also because of the, the high-risk nature of the way that he plays. But they can kind of afford to go that way with their overseas picks because their, their Indian picks are just so solid and so good. Um, and I think that's what sets them apart on the field anyway. Off the field, there's no touching them anyway. That's, you know, they are the organisation to be involved with and, and play for. Um, but, you know, it, it does, I, I'm looking at sort of like fast bowling resources and I wonder if maybe they're a little bit thin on the ground there. Particularly if, you know, we don't know what Boomer's personal reasons are. Do we know what Boomer's personal reasons are? Oh, he got married, I think. So oh, he got married, okay. Yeah. So well, I mean, that, that can, happy, be, yeah. can be disastrous. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, so, uh, you know, so that, that obviously they have him, but he's had his, his problems with injury recently. They might be a little bit thin in, in the fast bowling department, mm. might be, but they, but they can still pretty much cover off everything else. And also, you know, you have a, you have a, a system... Um, uh, that is successful and that, that, that manages to sort of churn out victories. Even, you know, I remember I was there for the time when Ricky Ponting came over and was coach for the first time. Mm. And they they needed to win something like seven on the bounce or something to qualify. And they did. And, you know, they'd lost their first five or six games and still won the tournament. Um, you know, they have this sort of resilience and the well well of, of, of winning experience to draw upon that kind of gets them over the line where other, where other franchises go, oh, here we go again. They seem to have such a kind of clear identity and the other IPL sides seem to just completely change every couple of years and the personnel changes hugely, different coach comes in. But even when Mumbai Indians have changed stuff, like John Wright won, won it for them the first time. Uh, when I interviewed him, he said they basically thought an old man with white hair walking out wasn't so good for social media, so we'd better bring Ricky Ponting in. <laughs> and he was cool with that and he's been there, but he's stayed on and he's been a huge part of that talent identification process. He found Bumrah, um, brought him through, uh, and then ponting through to Jai Wardner, who, uh, I mean, looking at his track record in terms of winning stuff, seems to be an outstanding coach. Maybe the best thing he does is taking a step back and letting the players do what they want to do. I mean, he's not a particularly uh, kind of in-your-face kind of coach, but may- maybe that's the best way to go about it. And they certainly had a huge amount of success. And it's just there's a clear ethos behind the team. And when they get players, they seem to know how to slot them in rather than kind of changing the whole shape of things. Mm. I thought it was quite interesting in the in the ODIs when it got close that Rohit Sharma almost took over the captaincy a little bit with all those Mumbai Indian players. Um, yes. He just seems yeah. so calm when, when games are are 
going go down to the wire. Um, uh, Joe, you, you you said you you were trying to think of who could uh, beat Mumbai. <laughs> yeah. who, who who do you think will 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 lose to them in the final? Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, I think. I mean, it's interesting if you look at the odds you've got Mumbai Indians and then everyone else is more or less the same which kind of perhaps sums up the the tournament and how unpredictable it is in, in a lot of ways but I thought Kolkata Knight Riders um, switched captains last year Dinesh Kartik had a pretty miserable time of it but is my, my favourite commentator now <laughs> Bush accepted obviously um, <laughs> but, better shirts than me <laughs> absolutely um, but he yeah he had a bit of a miserable time passed over the captaincy to Owen Morgan and, and they picked up quite a lot and ended up, I think, missing out on uh, the semi-finals in, in on playoffs and net, net run rate in the end. Yeah, but they did that despite Andre Russell not really firing at all. You wouldn't think that would happen two years in a row if he's if he's fit and ready to go. Pat Cummins had a really slow start, but was kind of finding his rhythm at the end. He again won't have a, a second bad tournament. Um, I think there's there's plenty there to work with. Uh, as I say, they're still a bit short of Mumbai Indians, but if there is a team to challenge them, I think I quite fancy them to to be in amongst it. Mm. Che- I mean, Chennai always qualify, don't they? But I, I, I looked, I was looking at their roster a couple of days ago, and it kind of they're still they're still sort of dad's army, aren't they? They're still you know another year on, and still the same names are, are appealing, uh, appearing. Um, you know, despite the fact that, you know they've got somebody like Josh Hazelwood in there and Takor, who we expect to have a a big sort of all round um, contribution to make. But again, you just you just think you know Faf de Plessy, DJ Bravo, Tahir. Um, the overseas players don't really jump off the page. They've no, got a lot of them, but it's hard to know who's yeah. the best. And, and they're who... kind of all the wrong side of yeah. forty in some cases. Forty in some <laughs> cases, yes. So yeah, I mean, you kind of you would expect them to to sort of get up there. Punjab looked very very light to me, um, and of course Rajasthan with the with the, the huge English contingent, Stokes Butler Archer and Livingston. Um, and the and one of the richest men who plays no cricket whatsoever, Chris Morris. He's a lovely fella, actually, great bloke. But jeepers, is he made some cash um, out of being a potentially a great all rounder. Yeah. So that you know they want they, they want something big out of him. He's been around in the IPL, um, and Rajasthan will want to want something to show for it. And it's about time that he kind of really took this competition by the scruff of the neck. Yeah, I think when Archer's fit, I think there's no franchise who's got. a most clear who their four overseas players are going to be with the money they spent on Morris and Stokes, Butler and Archer. Um, ben, Delhi came second last time and with Treas R out of the tournament, Rishabh Pant will captain them in 2021 and he's had a great winter, don't get me wrong, but he's never struck me as captaincy material. Um, how, how how do you think Delhi will, will do this time round? Uh, yeah, it's an interesting one. The, the, the Pant captain is obviously that leaps off the page. I guess you could... You- when especially at Delhi when Ricky Ponting is that kind of in your face sort of coach I guess uh and you wonder how much the captain is just sort of implementing the plans from him and if and if Pant can do that if he's a you know a good listener and can sort of communicate that then that could be kind of enough maybe it could almost so not not I don't think he would need much you know responsibility in terms of you know don't want him to change the way he plays uh but just uh if, if he knows he's the main man maybe that can kind of bring the best out of him I guess uh, I think the thing that's really going to affect them, at least at the start of the tournament, is they're without uh, Rabada and Nokia, or likely to be for the opening stages, because they're playing a T20I series against South Africa, playing a T20I series against Pakistan, and that could be hugely damaging for them because they were such a big. I mean, Nokia was almost the surprise package of the tournament last year, um, mm. and without them, they're going to sort of struggle to build the early momentum. I think uh, so. That that's the big thing, really. Rather than eyes oh, absence, so obviously he is a huge miss, but I would uh, I'd put that as. Uh, the most concerning thing for them is how they kind of fill that gap, I guess. 
Mm. Um, I mean, actually, to be honest, Rajasthan Royals, if we're picking teams who could challenge uh, Mumbai Indians, I see a way in which they end up sort of coming pretty close in the end. I know that Archer out for the first however long is going to be a huge miss. But I think we you quite often see with these tournaments that uh, it's the team that can kind of build momentum and sort of hit the, on the right combination at the right time that ends up uh, winning the thing. So if, if you know, say they say that even if they struggle to start with, if Arch then comes back and that inspires them on to something greater and then they can sneak into those playoff stages, I think that there's a way that that could sort of, uh, I think towards the end of last year, because you know, they missed Stokes the first half of last season and then he came and they really found his best role uh, at the top of the order. Um, and obviously Joss Butler, and, and I, I actually really rate Chris Morris. I know he doesn't have the international pedigree, but I think that um, in terms of a, a, spe- a specific skill set in terms of hitting six at the end and bowling Yorkers and bowling quickly, I think that he's a, that that, that he, he might well have a, a potentially great IPL season in him, I think. He had a very good IPL last time round as mm. well, just kind of went under the radar. Um, I think we, with, with Delhi, they, they got to the final and Pant didn't have a good tournament. So I kind of mm. think that if Pant, I know in different formats, there's such a good winter. If he has the kind of IPL that he's had before, um, that that could be that could be huge. Um, to finish, uh, I kind of wanted us to pick out some players who listeners might not know a huge amount about to kind of watch through the tournament. They don't have to be people who never played before, uh, but it's people who who might not be uh, household names yet. Uh, who who wants to go first? Picking picking one out, Joe. Well, I picked two out who I don't know much about, which I don't nice. know. Nice, good start. <laughs> but I know enough about to talk about them. Yep. But I thought they both struck me as as kind of the sort of players you want to look out for in the IPL. One, uh, Mohammed Azaruddin, not not that one, uh, but he's a uh, twenty seven year old. He's still younger than uh, <laughs> Darren Stevens. <laughs> Well, this one is, is 27. He's not really got any kind of record to speak of, but he hit um, a 37 ball 100 for Kerala in the Indian domestic T20 competition Decent. and got snapped up by Royal Challengers Bangalore as a result. And he, he just looks like the kind of classic, no real record from the backwaters of Indian domestic cricket, plays a couple of knocks and suddenly he's an IPL icon. I think there's, there's something worth keeping an eye on there. Another one talking about Mumbai Indians. Uh, they've signed a, a six for eight left arm quick called Marco Janssen, South African. Doesn't sound real. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't, does it? It sounds more like a sort of a, a Dutch winger as yeah. well. But um, <laughs> he's only taken six wickets in 10 T20 matches, uh, which is, I mean, really no Not record many. at all yeah. to get an IPL deal. But Mumbai Indians have been tracking him for two years. Zahir Khan, uh, who's their director of cricket operations and knows a bit about left arm pace bowling, uh, thinks he's the real deal. Uh, so he's just yeah another one of these players like how have they found him <laughs> is he going to be as good as they think he is uh, perhaps he won't necessarily play that much this year or at all but he's obviously one that they think has got a very bright future yeah that, that's a good game that uh, Dutch Dutch winger or South African quick um, <laughs> and, I, and I guess with him what is interesting is that in, in the IPL you hear stories of players um, kind of coming from nowhere but they're, they're Indian players uh, so it's quite rare to get an overseas player who there's, there's very little record to speak of Absolutely. and hasn't really done yeah. much anywhere else um, Butch, anyone to to, to watch? Um, I, I like Fabian Allen, um, Jamaican lad. So uh, there's a there's a kinship there, um, and and I I hope that the West Indy the West Indies boys. I mean, there's quite a big contingent of them for the for Punjab Kings. Um, sort of set the set the thing alight a little bit, fly the flag for the CPL um, out there in the IPL. Um, beyond that, I'd, my uh, my knowledge of the, uh, the the leagues that uh, 
that as a Redeen and co have come out of, I have to confess, is not that great. So I've, I've not got as much to offer as... A <laughs> well, I've already admitted this, mine's not great either. As, as, <laughs> bald, as Baldy Beardy is over here. And one of the interesting things is, is that there are, there are very few, I mean, again, looking at sort of the team rosters and stuff, there are mm. very few sort of brand new um, names knocking around. You know, mm. the, 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 the tournament seems to have have settled into a, a pattern of, of, of pretty well-known Indian local players and, and overseas stars. There aren't that many black breakthrough guys out mm. there. The no, it felt more of a kind of a gentle shuffle than a yeah. sort of... I remember early years, I've struggled to keep, keep up because it just mm. seemed like a complete reworking every other year. Yeah, it's been a few years since a mega auction. This one was just a, a mini auction. Yeah. Um, and you still get like, last year there was Varun Chakravarti at, at KKR. He hadn't really done much. He's another one who just like barely played any domestic cricket, even the, the minor leagues in, in India had a great IPL. Rahul Tuati as well last yeah. year. Yeah, yeah. you still get, you, I think you'll still get a couple of players like that this year. Uh, my pick is, is Ravi Bishnoi. Um, he, he played most of last season for, for Punjab. Um, but I, I think he's a. I watched him in the under nineteen World Cup in South Africa last year. I think he's a really, really good bowler, and one year's IPL experience will do him a lot of good. Um, ben, you got one? Yeah, mine's a Rutaraj Gaikwad at Chennai Super Kings. Played a little bit last year, struggled initially, uh, and then obviously Chennai really struggled as well. And Dhoni said became pretty quickly infamous that uh, went because they were asked why they kept playing the same players. Mike Kellard Yadav wasn't given a rest when he was like sort of struggling to hit it off the square, and he said that the youngsters haven't shown enough spark. Uh, and then Guy Quad was the one who then came in and uh, and played really well, got a, a half century and a win, I think. Uh, he's a kind of seems more like a touch player than a power player, but he's a uh, pretty nice to watch. And there's just like a little bit about him, I think. So he's a uh, he's one I'll be keeping an eye on. Uh, we're almost at the end of the show, and we've barely discussed Dawid Milan. Is that uh, is that's that okay? Fun? We don't have to talk about yeah, Dawid Milan each week. That we we we, 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 we had a phase in the summer where uh, <laughs> we talked about Joe Denley for at least fifteen minutes every episode. Yeah, and then, yeah I might. And be then part as of the summer became <laughs> summer became winter, that became the the the, the Denley section to the Milan section. Um, I think it's okay that we haven't talked about Dawid Milan. Yeah, just to, I'll, I'll be following his <laughs> IPL closely as well, just because he, he's one that you wonder if he'll actually get into that first choice. Uh, team because he's competing with Chris Gale for a tall border slot and you've got the you know the, the best T20 batsman in the world at the moment by the rankings versus the best T20 batsman of all time so that could be a and if he does get in he's got more riding uh, on an IPL than, than a lot of England players would in the, yeah, with, they're sure. going back to India for the T20 World Cup he didn't have a great series out there he could actually almost play himself out of the side by by playing particularly if Ben Stokes can uh, keep whacking it like he was in that see, Joe second Root, ODI. See, Joe Root is going. He's going. I, I mark my words. He's going to be the ultimate. The ultimate in you are. You're a better player when you're not playing. He's going to end up in England's T20 international squad by virtue of not being in the IPL and not playing in a T20 series. And England going. Can we really afford to leave a player who who plays spin that well, who is just basically that good, out of a. Uh, you know, out of a out of a tournament that we are hoping to win, and my guess is that they're going to end up saying no. Yeah. Well, actually, it's not my guess. My hope is they end up saying no, and my guess is that they end up saying yes. We can do without him, and that will cost them big. But do you think any temptation to bring him will be overridden by the fact that the Ashes is just around the corner, and and the bloke will need a bit of a break? Potentially, potentially. But then you know, it, you. <laughs> You prioritise winning these world trophies, don't you? I mean, that's what I think England have done. And he's desperate to go. I mean, and he's, he's desperate no to play. That, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I think he would I think he would take that um, for sure. Just uh, the, the flip side for me on, on, on Milan, and 
it's obviously there is a, there is a chance so that we he... are talking about Milan. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, just, so no he, but... he brought it up the fact that we hadn't spoken <laughs> about him, and now he's desperate to talk about him anyway. Well, I've just got something positive to say about him, which is uh, so, like I'm, I wouldn't. I think people would say I'm not his biggest fan, although I, I like I think he's a you know there's lots that he brings to the side. But I think this there's a huge amount of him to gain from this tournament as well. Like he uh, is nothing if not a very determined cricketer who has sort of shown ability to improve at things that he's kind of asked to improve at, or he can. Uh, um, so I, th- I think there's there's a, there's a possibility that even if he doesn't play a huge amount, he comes back a much improved player of spin just by being around the IPL, being around those coaches, being in the nets, uh, and that could end up being a real help to England. I guess it just that's why I'd be so interested to see how it goes, and also how he goes when he's back from the IPL because that's the like one of the major weaknesses or things he hasn't shown in his game is that ability against spin on those sort of Indian wickets, and if he can. Uh, if you can sort of improve against that, that would be a, a huge thing for England, I guess. Hmm. Well, we, we did get our uh, our customary David Milan section into the pod, um, and I think we should probably end the show there. Cheers, Butch. Cheers, Joe. Uh, Cheers, Ben. Thanks. This has Thanks. been the Wisdom Cricket Weekly Podcast. Thanks for listening. If you like the show, tell your friends, subscribe, and we'll be back next week for a preview of the County Championship. Cheers. Podcast Network.